Luna already had the dagger. Although he still had five months to wait, he'd made a careful selection. After all, there wasn't any room for error. He had to be positive he got the job done the first time. So he already had the dagger, and he'd fixed the date. But all that was in the future. Today he had some important work to do. He was supposed to give an important speech that he hadn't yet prepared. So on that bright, sunny Saturday, the first Saturday after Easter, Bruno took his Bible and his three children to the park and began preparing his speech, sitting under the shade of a tree, when one of his kids came up and asked him if he could help them find the ball. Bruno set aside his Bible and his notes and began wandering around looking for the ball when he found his four-year-old son kneeling at the mouth of a cave. The child was staring into the cave with a joyful look on his face, and he kept repeating the same phrase over and over again. Bruno couldn't see a thing. He turned to his other two children and asked them what they thought was going on. They came up to take a closer look, and within seconds, they also fell to their knees, got the same look on their face, and began saying the same phrase. By this time, Bruno was getting scared. His fear got worse when he grabbed his children and couldn't move them. He grabbed hold of his four-year-old son and couldn't budge him. In his panic, he shouted, what's going on here? Is there witchcraft? Are there devils in this grotto? He charged into the cave to fight off whoever or whatever was in there. But to his surprise, the cave was totally empty. All he could see was bare rock. Bruno came rushing out in a state of panic and despair and then burst into tears. He raised his arms to the sky and shouted out, God save us. Now to really appreciate what happens next, we need to know a lot more about Bruno. Bruno Cornicliola was born in a rough part of Rome in 1913, and he'd grown up on the streets. He was tough. Although he hadn't received much religious education, he had been baptized and made his first communion. He got married at the age of 23, but soon he abandoned his wife to go fight in the Spanish Civil War. In Spain, he came under the influence of a fanatical German Protestant who convinced him that the cause of all the world's problems was the Pope. Bruno who hadn't been much of a Catholic to start with, was now filled with a burning hatred for all things Catholic, and especially the Blessed Virgin and the Pope. So he made a vow. In 1939, after three years in Spain, he returned to Rome and to his wife. He got a job as a trolley conductor, and soon he had a real reputation to boot as a womanizer and a fighter with a filthy mouth. When he'd lose his temper, which unfortunately was fairly frequently, he'd beat up his wife and kids too. He wouldn't allow his wife to bring the older children to Mass 
and he refused to allow his youngest son to be baptized. He destroyed all the Catholic pictures and mementos around the house. In his hatred for the church, he joined an extremely anti-Catholic sect. All things considered, Bruno wasn't much of a Christian. So what was he doing on that sunny Saturday, April 12, 1947? As president of the Missionary Youth Association of this particular organization, he had to give a speech to attack Our Lady. That very morning, on his way to the park at Trefontaine, the section outside of Rome where the Romans had beheaded St. Paul, another man who hated the church, Bruno passed a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. He stopped, pulled out his pencil, and wrote at the base of the statue, you are neither virgin nor mother. They continued on. While his kids were playing ball, he was sitting under the tree, studying his Bible, and preparing a talk to ridicule the Immaculate Conception. The first sentence that Bruno wrote that day is so bad that I can't even repeat it. And I don't just mean from the pulpit. And of course, he still had the dagger and a date and a vow. He'd chosen September 8, 1947. Why September 8? Well, December 8 is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, the day that in the womb of St. Anne, the Blessed Virgin Mary was conceived, absolutely free from original sin. And so nine months after that day, December 8, is September 8, the Feast of the Nativity of the Blessed Virgin, Our Lady's birthday. Bruno had taken a vow and chosen September 8th to fulfill it. He bought a dagger, and he'd engraved the dagger, Death to the Pope. You see, Bruno was planning to murder Pius XII. And so now we can put this whole scene into context. Here we have a foul-mouthed street fighter who not only cheats on his wife, but beats her up. A man who hates the Catholic Church, who hates the Blessed Mother, and is planning to murder the Pope. That very day, he'd already gravely insulted the honor of the Mother of God with his filthy graffiti, and he's preparing a speech to mock her Immaculate Conception. And then, as we've seen, as he was trying to find his kids find a ball, he watched them suddenly fall to their knees and become immovable, and in his fear and panic, he cried out, God save us. Now, to, rather than me repeat it, let's listen to what Bruno has to say about what happens next. Quote, No sooner had I uttered, God save us, when suddenly I saw two pure white hands moving towards me, and I felt they were lightly touching my face. I had the sensation that something was pulled from my eyes. At that moment, I felt a certain pain, and I found myself in the deepest darkness. At this point, I could see neither the cave nor what was inside, but I was enveloped by an unusual joy." Close quote. Then he felt weightless. Then he began to smell an indescribably beautiful smell, and then, as he regained his sight, he could see what his children were seeing. 
Once he could see what his children were seeing, he could clearly understand why they kept repeating that phrase. Beautiful lady. Beautiful lady. Bruno saw a beautiful woman wrapped within an intense golden light, which in spite of its incredible brilliance, he could look at without harm to his eyes. She wore a green veil with a brilliant white dress and tied with a rose-colored sash. In her hands, she held the Bible. She was standing barefoot on a rock, which was also glowing from this heavenly light. As he later said, quote, He who experiences the exceptional joy of resting his eyes on such a heavenly beauty would only want death to enjoy such beauty forever. Bruno asked the lady, Who are you? You're so beautiful. The lady replied, I am she who is related to the Divine Trinity. I am the daughter of the Father. I am the mother of the Son. I am the spouse and temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the Virgin of Revelation. You persecute me. Enough of it now. Enter into the true sheepfold, God's kingdom on earth. You must be like the flowers that your daughter has just picked. They make no protest. They are silent and they do not rebel. Be obedient to the authority of the Pope. Again, Bruno questioned the Blessed Virgin, but why do you appear to me? I'm a great sinner. I go out with loose women, beat my wife and my children, and I'm ready to murder the Pope. The Blessed Virgin replied, Bruno, the nine first Fridays in honor of the Sacred Heart, which your faithful wife persuaded you observe before you walked down the road of lies, have saved you. It is through my Son's grace that you have been called from a life of sin back to the Sacred Fold. You must live the divine doctrine, practice Christianity, live the faith, Return to the pure source of the gospel. Pray much and recite the rosary for the conversion of sinners, the conversion of unbelievers, and of all Christians. The Hail Marys that you pray with faith and love are like golden arrows that go straight to the heart of Jesus. You must go to the Holy Father, the Pope, the supreme pastor of Christianity, and personally tell him my message. The beautiful lady slowly moved her left hand and pointed to something laying near her feet. There on the ground was a crumpled back cloth which held a smashed crucifix. She continued speaking to Bruno for about an hour and 20 minutes. Later, he could remember every single word. He said it was almost as if he had a tape recorder where he could keep replaying the same phrases over and over again. Although his children could see her talking, they could see her lips moving, they heard nothing. Finally, when she was done speaking, the Blessed Virgin smiled at Bruno and the children, turned around, walked through the wall of the grotto, and disappeared. Bruno was in a daze, but before they returned home, he used his door key to scratch a message. Quote, on 12th April, 1947, the Virgin of Revelation appeared in this grotto 
to the Protestant Bruno Cornocchiola and his children, and he was converted. Close quote. Bruno told his children to say nothing, but as soon as they got back to their neighborhood, the kids told everyone they saw. When they got home, his wife could smell beautiful perfume coming from them, and as soon as they had the children put to bed, Bruno told his wife all that had happened, and then he knelt down and begged her forgiveness for the horrible way he had treated her over the years. Later, he knelt at the feet of Pius XII, presented him with a dagger inscribed, Death to the Pope, and begged his forgiveness. As the story sped, people began to make pilgrimages to the grotto. Permission for the pilgrimages and devotion to the Virgin of Revelation was given with unusual speed by the Vicariate of Rome. On October 5th, less than six months after her apparition, Pope Pius XII blessed a statue of Our Lady, the Virgin of Revelation, which was then taken in a huge procession from St. Peter's Square to Trey Fontaine. Today, at the shrine, the Diocese of Rome maintains a public chapel that's staffed by conventional Franciscans who offer public masses there. Because of the many miracles, the number of the people who pray at the grotto and make pilgrimages there is steadily increasing. There's an awful lot to think about. We've only mentioned a couple parts of her message. Much of Our Lady's message is secret, was delivered to Pope Pius XII. But it's worth spending a few moments to consider what we do know. In a place of execution of a great persecutor of the church, St. Paul, Our Lady, knocks the scales off the eyes and hearts of a modern persecutor of the church. On the eve of Divine Mercy Sunday, Our Lady brings a message of mercy from the sacred heart of her son to a great sinner. In a time when so many Bible sects are luring Catholics away from the true faith, Our Lady appears holding the Bible, reminding us that she is the Virgin of Revelation and calling us to return to the source, the pure source of the gospel and live a holy Christian life. In a time when so many Catholics and men of goodwill are increasingly confused about which is the true church, Our Lady appears. And where does she appear? In Rome. And calls men to enter God's kingdom on earth, the holy Catholic church, and to be obedient to the supreme pastor of Christianity, the Pope. In an age of so much sin, so many fallen away Catholics, unbelievers, and actual enemies of the church, Our Lady gives us a message of conversion and prayer, especially to pray the rosary, to pray the rosary for their conversion. In an age with so much scandal, Our Lady comes with a message of reproach for her priests. When she pointed at the black cloth and the crucifix, Bruno said that symbolized the clerical clothes and under other distinguishing signs that so many religious people have discarded. And she specifically said that priests must have a deeper faith in the revealed truths of the church, a greater obedience to the teaching authority of the church, and they must live a pure and dignified lifestyle. In a time when traditional practices of the faith have all but disappeared, 
Our Lady comes to remind us about the incredible strength and power of the First Friday practice. She promised a special favor, that with the soil of the grotto, great miracles would be performed for the conversion of unbelievers and sinners. And true to Our Lady's promise, the dirt from the Grotto Tray Fontaine has proven to be miraculous in the same fashion that Lourdes is famous for its miraculous water. But the story doesn't even end there. The Virgin of Revelation had prophesied that starting on a 33rd anniversary of her apparition, there would be, quote, many manifestations and graces, both inward and external, close quote, the Blessed Virgin Mary. On the 12th of April, 1980, the 33rd anniversary of apparition, more than 3,000 people, including 25 priests, were gathered at the grotto to hear Bruno speak and to attend a commemorative Mass. During the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass, the sun began to draw near the earth. It could be viewed without pain to the eyes. It grew larger than normal and turned a variety of brilliant colors. Then in rapid movements, the sun appeared as a cross, an M, a heart surrounded by stars, a heart dripping with blood, the IHS monogram, and so forth. The display lasted for one half an hour. Many fallen away Catholics returned to the faith on the spot. There were many physical cures to the point where a medical center was set up and after extensive research, confirmed the miraculous nature of these cures. Two years later, on April 12, 1982, again at the grotto, in the presence of a crowd of thousands, the miracle of the sun was repeated. On the grotto, on the 12th of April, 1986, again the miracle of the sun happened. This time it was filmed and broadcast on Italian TV. I will read a selection of quotes from an article in a large daily newspaper in Rome, Il Tempo. Date, 18 April 1986. Quote, on the 12th of April last, at the sanctuary of the Three Fountains on the Via Laurentina, the sun pulsated for a considerable time like a heart subject to violent emotion. At the same time, other incredible changes were observed on the sun's surface, all of them faithfully filmed by a cameraman who happened to be on the spot. As though in a surrealist vision, the sun at one moment turned bright red and at another emerald green. Its colors glowed and gigantic shafts of light shone down from the sky onto the thousands of witnesses who flocked to the hill, including both highly placed ecclesiastics and personalities from the worlds of politics and the arts. Starting from the 33rd anniversary of apparition, there were to be, precisely as the version of Revelation had prophesied, many manifestations and graces, both inward and external. We have to admit that this promise, great and binding as it was, was very precisely carried out. The whole phenomenon has been filmed by a TV camera, even if, and it is important to remember this, the attitude of the church remains marked by the utmost reticence. Close quote, A.M. Thierry, Il Temple. A lot to think about. We'll close with quote from an officially approved prayer to the Blessed Virgin 
of Revelation. Please kneel. Most Holy Virgin of Revelation, you who are related to the Divine Trinity, we beg you to turn your merciful and benevolent gaze towards us. O Mary, you who are a powerful advocate before God can obtain miracles for the conversion of unbelievers and sinners. Help us obtain from your Son Jesus the salvation of our souls, perfect health of body, and all the graces we need. Give the Church and its leader, the Roman Pontiff, the joy of seeing the conversion of its enemies, the spread of the Kingdom of God throughout the world, the unity of believers in Christ, and peace to all nations. We beg for the true peace of all nations so that we may better love and serve you in this life and merit to come one day to see and thank you eternally in heaven. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.